Welcome to the Ridge Community Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button and find us online at theridgecc.com. At our website, you can catch up with everything that's happening at The Ridge, watch previous messages, and learn more about who we are. If you want to watch services live, you can catch them every Sunday via our online community at live.theridgecc.com. We hope this message inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, hey everyone, online over in Oak Creek here in Greenfield. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome to Ridge. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, my name is John and I'm the director of Ridge Students here in Greenfield, which means that I get to lead the leaders who invest in the lives of our high school and our middle school students. But I don't know about you, but I, I can't believe it's already December. Like, that just feels so crazy to me. Um, but I'm not complaining, because actually December is my favorite month of the year. I'm a little biased. My birthday's in December. Um, yeah, so it's always been like the month of gifts for me. But, but this year, I actually got the best gift last month. See, last month, I asked my girlfriend, Serena, to marry me. Yeah. Thank you. And she said yes. She said yes. I, I suppose I wouldn't really tell you if she said no, would I? <laughs> That'd be a sad way to start something, right? <laughs> but I was, just, I was just so excited. I was so excited. I had like so much adrenaline like the week leading up to it. I mean, I, wasn't, I didn't, didn't want to spoil it, didn't want to tell her. Um, and then like the week after, I don't think my feet touched the ground. I was just so excited. So I don't, think, I don't know what someone could get me this Christmas. Uh, it's just not going to be as good as the gift of that, yes. But, uh, but speaking of gifts, we're actually in the middle of a series where we're talking about gifts. And a series we're calling Unwrapped. We know that this time of year is just like a lot, of it, a lot of it has to do with the giving and receiving of gifts. And so we thought we'd talk about the first ever Christmas gift. And that was given to a bunch of, uh, or at least told to, a bunch of ancient shepherds. Which is really interesting because um, ancient shepherds in that society, like, they're like the bottom of the low. They're like the lowest of the low, the bottom rung on the ladder, um, which is kind of good news for us because it means that because they got that news, we know it's available to everybody, including us. And so this is what was told to those shepherds. The angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. So Jesus was the very first Christmas gift. He came here to, to save everyone from the decisions and the things they did that had separated from, the, from God. He was going to bring great joy and peace, and he was even wrapped up like a present, except for he was uh, put in a manger and not under a tree. But, but throughout this series, we're actually we're looking at um, not just the gift of Jesus, but all the different gifts that come through Jesus as well. And so our hope is this, that we would receive and give the gifts from Jesus. And by receive, we mean like just fully embrace the positive life change that comes from getting those gifts from Jesus. Then by give, we're talking about um, just, just this idea that you can't really fully experience that gift until you share it with the people around you, you share it with the people you love and others you know. And so as we do this, our hope is that we'll ask ourselves through these talks just these two questions. Have I received this gift? And who is someone I can give this gift to? Now, last week, we actually started by unwrapping the gift of love, which, as we talked about last week, uh, when Jesus came to earth, he brought this type of love that, that wasn't usual. It was, it was uncommon. It was this, this unconditional, self-sacrifice type of love. And when we understand just how much Jesus loves us, well, it changes not only the way that we view ourselves, but it also changes the way that we view others. 
In fact, it may even motivate us to showing them that type of love as well. And if you missed any of that, I want to encourage you, head on online, uh, check out our podcast, and catch up that way. But today, we're unwrapping the second gift, which is the gift of hope. Now, now, some of you might have seen Hope, right? And I can see, like, you got, like, the crisp, eyes have already turned, like, Krispy Kreme donuts. They've glazed over. You see the word hope, and you're like, huh? What? Hope? I guess, I mean, maybe I, I allow myself to, like, hope for certain things. Like, maybe you hope Aaron Rodgers stays healthy all year. Or you hope, man, I hope my kid, I hope that my kid, like, puts his toys away the first time I asked him to instead of, like, the 900th time. Right? Somebody like, yes, for sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe you're hoping, you'll allow yourself to hope that it won't drop a single snowflake this winter. <laughs> maybe we don't actually hope for that, right? We uh, don't think that's really going to happen. Maybe you're wondering, what's, what's the good of hope? What, is, what does hope actually do? I mean, hope's good in, rea- in, in theory, but it, does it actually do anything in reality? Like, like uh, and maybe it feels good in the moment, but, but is hopeful actually helpful? Does, what has hope done for me in the past? I mean, hope hasn't made me feel better, has it? It, it hasn't um, made the cancer go away. It, it hasn't, it hasn't uh, helped my family situation. Hope didn't make them stay. Maybe you're wrestling through that, but, but when we mean hope, we don't mean some small wish or just a desire. We mean something a lot bigger, a lot more powerful than that. I've heard hope defined this way. Hope is believing that something can or will get better. And maybe with that definition, you've actually started to be like, hmm, maybe it's a lot easier to think of all the things I don't hope for or just don't have any hope for. It's easier to think of the things that, man, I just don't believe it's going to get better. In fact, how about this? I'm going to say something. I'll say an idea. And you just think in your mind, do you think that this thing will get better? How about the future of politics in this country? Uh, younger or an older generation. Yeah, how about that? How about that difficult situation you're facing at work? Or how about that family member that always just seems to be a challenge to connect with or interact with? How about life in general? Do you believe it's going to get better? Did you used to? What changed? What happened? You know, a 2018 study uh, of some college students found that at some point within the last year, 53% of them felt that everything, everything was hopeless. In fact, I was actually at a a suicide prevention training a few weeks ago, and they're talking about the number one factor in in warning sign of someone who's contemplating or going to do suicide is hopelessness. So why then, when it's actually, when it's so important to have hope, why is it so hard to have hope? Well, about a year and a half ago, our lead pastor, Mark, he read through this book called A Praying Life by Paul Miller. And uh, he loved it so much, made such a big impact on him, he read through it again, and then he had our whole staff read through it. And it's made a huge impact in my life. It's probably been the most transformational book that I've read in the last uh, several years. But, but in it, there's a few chapters on this thing called cynicism. And cynicism is really just, it's the opposite of hope. Now, I used to think I was like the most positive, uh, optimist person in the planet, like this positive energizer bunny. And then, and then I read this chapter, these chapters, and I'm like, oh no, I'm cynical. And, and I'm not saying that you are, but, but whether you follow Jesus or you don't, whether you're a church person or you're not, as we talk about this idea, we talk about maybe how you view the world, just consider this and 
Let's be honest with ourselves. This is what Paul Miller says. Cynicism begins with the reassurance that everyone has an angle. Behind every silver lining is a cloud. The cynic is always observing, critiquing, but never engaged, loving, hoping. To be cynical is to be distant. While offering a false intimacy of being in the know, cynicism actually destroys intimacy. It leads to a creeping bitterness that can deaden and even destroy the spirit. So, so what are some signs that you might be cynical? Okay, how about if somebody brings you a Starbucks? All right, somebody brings you a Starbucks and your first thought is, okay, what do they want from me? What do they want? Or maybe somebody approaches you about helping out with a cause or somebody in need. And your thought is, I just, I just don't think it's really gonna make a big difference. I don't think it's gonna make any difference at all. You might be cynical if you feel the need to fact check someone all the time. Like some of you have already like Googled my 53% statistic from earlier. Like you've already checked on that, right? And you might be cynical if, if when you think about that friend from college or that coworker, or maybe that family member that has like a drinking problem and you just think, you know what? People don't really change. They don't, situations don't really get better. In fact, most people, they're not even genuine. It's all just this big facade. But any of that sound familiar? Now, the thing about cynicism is it has us always questioning or doubting something's goodness. You know, if something's too good to be true, then it probably is. And it, and it leaves us always expecting or assuming the worst. But, but here's the thing about cynicism is that, at least for me, it kind of shows itself in this idea of, like, at least for me, right? I refuse to be fooled. Like, I, I just don't want to be fooled. Like, like I had these expectations in the past, but then, I, but then all that did was it led to disappointment. And so now I'm like, man, I've learned that one the hard way. I don't want to be fooled. Maybe some of you guys feel that way too. And we think that, that because of that, that we're somehow wiser or we're smarter or we're safer. But the reality is that it just disconnects us from people, and it disconnects us from Jesus. In fact, because it, it always is assuming this like ulterior motive in the other person. And, and it actually even prevents us from being able to accept and receive some of the gifts of God, especially the gift of hope, because we're always like doubting that, that gift. We're always distrustful of that gift. Like, it can't really be good. It can't really be free. You know, maybe it's there for others, but it's not really there for me. And the end result of it is that cynicism, it keeps us from hope. But ironically, the very thing that cynicism keeps us from is the thing that fights back against cynicism. Hope. The belief that, that someday, someday things will get better than they are now. Someday things will improve. And like I said, we're not, we're not talking about this small, like insignificant little feeling or this wish. No, hope is so much more powerful than that. Hope is, hope is that feeling when, you got, when you're, there's 30 seconds left in the game and your team recovers that onside kick, okay? And all of a sudden, you're back up. You're, you're leaning forward. Your belief in it in, is increased. Your investment is increased. Hope is, hope is when your, your kid's attitude improves just a little bit and you're like, you know what? Maybe I can do this parenting thing after all. And your drive and resolution towards it just increases. Hope is what I was feeling when I asked Serena to marry me. And it's just like this, this investment and this excitement and this energy and this, the dream of possibility, the hope of what the future will look like and this desire to move towards it with, with, just, with, uh, with energy and, and impactfulness. And that's, 
That's the powerful thing we're talking about when we're talking about the hope that comes from Jesus. We're talking about hope. And Jesus offers us that hope in three different areas of our lives. Areas that we might usually not necessarily have hope, or we've, maybe we've lost it. And Jesus says, no, I, I promise this hope for you. And to look at those three areas, we're actually going to look at a letter that was written um, to this group of people that desperately needed to be reminded that there was hope. See, the, the first century Romans, they were in a position where they would be killed for what they believed. And so there was a lot of this feeling of hopelessness that was going around. But Paul writes to them. Uh, Paul is this, this early church leader, and he's writing them to remind them of the hope that they do have. This is what he says. Therefore, since we have been justified or uh, made right with God through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast, or, or we walk with our heads held high, lifted up, in the hope of the glory of God. That's this idea of experiencing all of God's goodness and wonder with him in heaven. So maybe you've heard this, in fact, I'm sure you've heard, this cynical thought that life is meaningless and that there's nothing that awaits us when we die. Jesus offers us a different hope. He offers us a hope that says there's a purpose to life, there's a purpose to your life, and there's so much more than just life on earth. Um, Paul is reminding us here that when we have faith in Jesus, our relationship with God gets restored, which means instead of that cynical thought, instead of that place, we get to have this expectation and hope that, that we'll experience the goodness and the wonder and the joy of being with God in heaven for eternity. And there's a peace that comes with that, not only for ourselves, but with the people that we know when they pass away. And, and let me just say, if you've never received that hope, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that a little bit later on today. But for those of you that have received that hope, this is where a lot of us actually stop receiving the hope of Jesus. Like, and this is where a confusing element of Christianity can come in because maybe you've heard the idea that the point of being a Christian is to go to heaven. Maybe you've heard that. But, but there's so much more to it than that. See, the, the thing is, we talk way in Christianity, we talk way more about the afterlife than we talk about this life. But Jesus, he talked way more about this life than he ever talked about the afterlife. And he offered us this, this hope that goes beyond that, this hope that goes beyond just that thing. And Paul's actually going to describe it. Paul describes the type of hope that you have when, when you live a life with Jesus. He says, not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. Now maybe you look at that and you're like, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily seem really logical. Like what's, what's Paul talking about here? Like isn't, isn't like suffering the very reason why I have this pattern of cynicism that I find myself in anyway? Like we had these, these high, high hopes for life and then boom, we got hit by something hard. Something challenging came. And all of a sudden, we learn that, you know, not everything works out the way we thought it would. People, they, sometimes they don't have the best of intentions. They're going to fail us. And all of a sudden, this, this cynical thought creeps into our mind. Like, you know what? I don't know if, if God actually has my back right now. Like, when I pray to him, does he actually listen? Does he actually care? Does it make a difference with anything that I'm going through? 
that's a perspective that's super easy to fall into. But Jesus offers us a hope of something bigger than that. He offers us a hope that there's more going on in the picture than we understand. There's a bigger picture that we don't fully see. And we can see that through his life. Because God, he gave his son, Jesus, to die. He used the death of his son, Jesus, to save all of us, to save the people that we love and we care about. But, um, but what happens is, what we can easily find ourselves really doing is, well, we kind of liken ourselves to the followers of Jesus. And what I mean by that is this. So uh, when Jesus' disciples, when they were with Jesus, they had put all their chips in on him, right? They had, they had bet on Jesus, and then he died. And when he died, they must have felt so fooled, right? Haven't we felt that way? Like, the person that they thought was their savior died. And then three days later, he comes back. And he brings all of that hope back with him. And, and all of a sudden, we can recognize that just like those disciples, there's a hope for us. Hope that, hope that God is moving and active and working, even in the situations that are incredibly challenging and difficult. But what if I get fooled? What, what if I expect the best and it doesn't work out? What if that happens? Well, Paul does not say that we're going to get every single thing we want. He doesn't say that. But listen to what he does say. And hope does not put us to shame or does not lead us into shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So our hope, it doesn't let us down. Some translations of this actually say it does not disappoint us. Because Jesus, his, his, his offer of hope is that he is working in the situation. We talked about this type of love earlier, right? This love that's unconditional, self-sacrificial. It's this love that always wants the best for us. And so our hope is that the person that gave his life for us is constantly with us in a situation. He's moving, he's active, he's present, he's guiding us, and he is good. Which means that in the health concern you're facing right now, he's with you. In that family conflict, he's with you. In your situation at work, in your hurt marriage, in the behaviors of your kids, he is saying you're not alone, that he's with you, and he's active, and he's working. And what, what an amazing hope that that is. Oh, but, but Jesus doesn't op- offer us only hope for eternity. He doesn't just offer us hope for, for today. He also offers us hope for our future. So you see this. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. So maybe right now, your view of the future, the future is bleak. You're like, I just don't think things are going to get better. Maybe you've been uh, praying for something. You've been waiting for something. You've been really desperately seeking something, and you haven't gotten it. Trust me when I say, I have been there. But what's super captivating to me about this passage is this phrase, at just the right time. Have you ever wondered, have you ever wondered why Jesus came to earth when he did? Like, like, why didn't he come sooner? Why didn't he come later? Like, the Jews, they were expecting a savior. They were hoping for one. Their once great kingdom, it had crumbled. They were under Roman oppression. Um, yet Paul says that, that this is just the right time for Jesus to come, and he's not talking about December 25th, right? He's talking about that point in history. 
And we can look back on it, and we can see he was right. You see, throughout history, there had been these major obstacles to, uh, to the spread of ideas or information or concepts. And so if God wanted what Jesus has done to spread throughout, spread throughout the world, there would be some major obstacles to that. The first one, communication. So in the ancient world, every people group has their own language, right? And so at best, that makes arguments, right? And at worst, would lead to wars. And two was just distance and the ability to travel. So the Mediterranean Sea was full of piracy. And there was no major highways and roads. There was lots of bandits covering it in different areas. But 300 years before the birth of Jesus, Alexander the Great comes in with his, with his army. And he conquers pretty much sweeping across the continent. But when he does that, he installs the Greek language. And even though that kingdom fades, all of a sudden, the, the Greek language that was suddenly used as a trade language. And it didn't fade away with that army. And then Rome came in. And they wiped out piracy virtually in the Mediterranean Sea. And maybe you've heard the expression that all roads lead back to Rome. It's because they established all these roadways and paths, and then they patrolled them to took care of bandits in the area. And so, for the first time in history, when Jesus came, you have a language that people can communicate in and a way for people to travel safely. And we saw the, the spread of the message of Jesus. If God can orchestrate that with precision timing, imagine what he can do in your life, in your situation. Because he gives us hope for eternity, he gives us hope for today, and he gives us hope for our future. But the key to that is we have to receive that hope. And Paul tells us how to do that a little bit later in his letter. He says this, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him. So Paul's saying that to get that, this is the key. This is the key to receiving that hope. We have to trust in Jesus. And trust is really this, it's this belief. It's this belief in the reliability and strength of Jesus. It's, it's the choice, because trust is really a decision. It's this choice to, to see what God is doing in those situations. It's to believe that in all the situations I face, that Jesus is, is strong and he's reliable. And now... A lot of times this requires a, a choice to see from a different perspective. Like uh, everybody has a lens that they see the world through. For example, if I say the word exam, okay, if you're a student, immediately you think stress, okay? If you're a teacher, you think grading. If you're a doctor, you may think open up, go ah. Uh. If you're a patient, you're like, what kind of exam, <laughs> right? Yeah. We all see the lens through a different, we all see the world through a different lens. But unfortunately, our default lens typically is cynicism. And so we have to make this choice that we're gonna see the world through this perspective of trust, trust in Jesus. And so we have to say, okay, you know what? In these situations, I'm gonna focus on the reliability, I'm gonna focus on the strength of Jesus and what's going on. But the good news is that when we trust Jesus, we get that hope we're talking about. When we trust Jesus, we get that hope. Now, I know that this sounds like this really simple, like I'm just saying, like it's the easiest thing in the world. Oh, yeah, just trust Jesus and you'll get hope. I know it's so much more challenging than that, firsthand. Uh, when I was in high school, I found out about my brother's drug addiction. And if, if you've been in a similar situation, 
you, you understand. Uh, but if you haven't, then it's really hard to express the amount of pain that a drug addiction causes a family. Um, and he would, so he would steal from our family, uh, both money and things. And man, every time he would promise us, this was the last time, not gonna do it anymore. Not gonna use again, not gonna take anything, I promise. And every time we would hope, we would hope he was telling the truth and we would act like it. But every time we would get fooled. Time and time again, we would get fooled. Until eventually, I lost hope in my brother. Uh, in fact, it, um, how it turned out was this one time he comes, he comes to our door and he's knocking and he's asking for a place to stay. Uh, he's asking for a few more dollars. But I had lost hope in him. And so I actually, um, I called the police on my older brother. And I wasn't, I wasn't scared for my safety. The reason why I called him was because I'd given up on him, because I'd given up hope on him. I have one regret ever in my life. It's that moment. But my, my dad, my mom, they didn't give up on that. They didn't give up hope. Instead, because of that, it empowered them to, empowered them to seek out this, this organization called Teen Challenge. And my brother got plugged in there. And through the amazing power of Jesus, he's been clean for eight years. And he's, he's yeah, right? And he's, he's married now. He has, a, he, has a, he has a wonderful wife, two amazing children. But, but if you don't believe in the power of hope, you do not know what empowered my parents. You don't. And maybe right now you're thinking, yeah, John, but, but you don't know my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know where I've been or what I've done or what's going on. You're right. I don't. But regardless of who you are, everyone has had moments and everyone will have moments where it's difficult to trust. It's difficult to hope but we keep on trusting. We keep on getting that hope. And what's really cool is what Paul says happens after that. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So when we trust in the reliability and the strength of Jesus, we get this overflowing hope. And I personally, I love that imagery. I love it. But, but maybe your last experience with something overflowing was like a toilet, okay? Like, like your kids thought, hey, I wonder if winter gloves are flushable. And it turns out, no, no, they're not flushable, are they? So that word gives you panic. But for me, I love this idea of like a backpack that's like stuffed to the brim. It's like just so full of stuff. It's just like leaking stuff out. Except for, uh, in this case, let's say it's $100 bills. She had this backpack full of $100 bills, and it keeps on filling from the inside. There's this like unknown source that keeps on filling this backpack up with $100 bills. And so you don't know where it's coming from, but all you know is you'll never be in need again. You're covered. You're good. That's the amazing hope of Jesus. What, what I really love about that imagery is imagine you take that backpack, you put it on, and you start walking down the streets of Milwaukee, downtown Milwaukee. And, people, and you got this backpack you couldn't zip up. So it's dropping money everywhere. And people are like, that guy's got a backpack full of money. And so they start going after it and they find this money on the ground. You're interacting with people and their life has been changed 
just by you interacting with them. That's the amazing overflow of hope that Jesus gives us. Imagine that. Imagine you're so overflowing with hope that when you interact at work, you interact with your family, you interact with your kids, they can't help but become more hopeful. And what does that look like practically? Well, so you're rejecting this cynical attitude, right? Because you have this hope. And so, so maybe at work, somebody asks you about that challenging relationship that you have with that person. And you're like, you know what? Yeah, it's difficult. It really is. But I feel like it's helping me grow in spite of that. And all of a sudden, they're like, you know what? I hadn't thought of it that way. Maybe, maybe at home, when your significant other asks you about that challenge you're facing at work, instead of that doom and gloom, that woe is me, that's so easy to bring into those situations, and we all do it at times, instead, you respond by saying, yeah, you know what? It, it is challenging. It is difficult. But I feel like, I feel like I'm going to be able to handle it better tomorrow because of what I went through today. And all of a sudden, your hope and your perspective changes their perspective, and it brings a little bit more hope. But even further than that, back to that backpack, right? You got backpack. Wouldn't you start just like grabbing handfuls of cash, and you start handing it to people, right? Because you, you, it just keeps on going. It keeps on overflowing with cash. And so you're handing it out to people. Why not do the exact same thing with hope, right? Like, it's not, you're not going to lose hope by giving someone hope, right? And so we ask ourselves this question then. So how do we give the gift of hope. How do we give it away? Well, if we receive hope by choosing trust, then so do they. And so we help them see from a perspective or, or help them choose that trust. Now, this probably looks different uh, on whether or not they follow Jesus. It's probably some different thought processes. Uh, but probably the easiest thing to do is you start to ask yourself a question, right? Hey, wh- what area of this person's life do they need that hope? Okay, wh- how can I help them change their perspective on this situation? So if they're facing like a, a trial, a hardship that they're going through, maybe it's asking yourself, you know, how can I alleviate some of their suffering? How can I be maybe like even an answer to prayer? Be a reminder that, that they're not alone. And also a reminder that you know, Jesus is with them. It may be their outlook on the future is really bleak. And when they think of the future, they, it's, it's just, they just think of it as like not as like a dreary thing. They don't have a lot of um, energy and excitement about it. Well, maybe you can give them, like, hey, what are some tools, some resources that, that you can help equip them with that would help them see the future a little bit more positively? And remind them that, hey, you're, with, you're there with them through that. And Jesus has promises for them to help them. You might have to ask yourself, too, has this person found Jesus? Have they found Jesus? You know, we, all, we want everyone to find Jesus because of that hope that comes from heaven, that hope that comes of of someday being with them in heaven. But we also want everyone to find Jesus because we know that he makes our lives better now. And I personally believe that the number one way that we help people find Jesus is we help them see from a different perspective. We help offer them a different perspective. And that probably starts with how they view you. Like, do they know that you care about them? Do they know that they can trust you? Are you a safe person to have a conversation with faith about? I, I wish I could give you like this magical phrase that, hey, if you just say these nine words, they will automatically, you know, find Jesus. But you guys know from your own faith journeys that it, it, it's, that's not how it works. But if, if they trust you, they know you care, and, and all of a sudden they see you having this, this overflow of hope, hope that's different from the people around them, they might ask you about your perspective. 
what gives you that hope? And you can share with them, yeah. Well, I have, this, I have this trust in Jesus, that he's active and he's moving, that he's doing things in my life that I can rely on him and his strength. I have this hope because of Jesus. And imagine if everyone that followed Jesus was overflowing with this hope. Imagine. How different would families be? How different would our communities be? How amazing would our schools be if just by interacting with these people, people got more hope? Hope for hope the hope that Jesus gave for eternity, for today, and for our future. If, if you've never received any of these gifts of hope, then I want to invite you to do that today. I want to invite you to say a prayer with me or talk to Jesus with me. And there's nothing, nothing magical or mystical about this prayer. Really, it's just this taking an opportunity to say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you. I've decided I'm going to trust you. And I know I've messed up in the past. I've known I've made mistakes. But I want that hope. So would you all please pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for the hope that you give. Jesus, um, we just want to declare that we want to follow you. We want to follow you with our lives and receive that hope for eternity. And we also, we want to trust you. We want to trust you for, for today and the hardship that we're going through. And, and we want to trust you with tomorrow and with the future. And we ask that you'll give us a hope that overflows. And help, help give us the power to, to share that hope with everyone that we interact with. And give us the guidance to do that. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Rich Community Church's podcast. If you live in Southeast Wisconsin, we'd love to host you at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and more about our kids' and students' environments, visit us at theridgecc.com. That's theridgecc.com.